to show the value. I think for us within a corporate setting is making sure we ask questions from those other divisions. We making sure that we have that curiosity about how do others approach it. When a product owner comes to us and says, these are the product requirements, going back and asking why, right? It's, it's not just people are dropping stuff off to us, we execute, but we become these thought partners, these strategic partners with them with product owners, even the business owners, right? To say, okay, what are we building and why? And please design us not just features and functionality, right? But how does everything hang together? What is that bigger picture? And when we come in with those questions and say we have that understanding over time, what happened at Autodesk as well, that people came to the design team and they started, hey, asking questions of, hey, can you help me? I'm trying to do a campaign or I'm trying to design a product. And I've thought about this, but could you help me and expand my thinking as well? Welcome to Design Drives, your audio experience about what, how, and why design drives things forward. A podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear, together with forward-thinking design practitioners from around the world. This episode, I talk with Heike Rupp, former VP of Product Design at SAP, as well as former Senior Director for brand strategy and design at Autodesk. We talk about her experience as a design leader to drive impact as a design team in larger organizations and largening the footprint and capabilities as well as role of design within a large organization. But also what is specific about designing large-scale enterprise software design solutions at SAP in the context of B2B and creating a framework that allows for the best experience for different clients and during a time at Autodesk on how to align more than 100 software solutions into one single brand experience and deal with the technical and business constraints that come along in the process. It was amazing to talk to Heike and I really loved the conversation so I really hope you enjoy it too. So I'm here with Heike Rapp. Hi, Heike. Hi, Sebastian. Yeah, I'm super excited to, to talk to you. Thanks for, for making the time. We're going to talk a little bit about design in enterprise and also about your experience as a design leader. Looking back at your long career also in terms of where you, you really saw design having a big impact. Mm -hmm. But it would be really great if you could give the audience a little bit of an introduction about you for the people who don't know you and maybe go a little bit to your journey. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I started as a product designer. I graduated in industrial design. And I keep saying that I went from three dimensions to now product design in two dimensions to more the UI UX design. And along the way from industrial design, what fascinated me when web design at the time started was really to create that useful and delightful experience for customers. So how do you guide them through that experience? How do you give them that idea of things start making sense when it's not linear mm -hmm. anymore because it's not a book anymore. So that's when I really got fascinated by that medium and then worked in e-commerce for a long time, really started building a business within a large bricks and mortar retailer. So I was a startup within a big business. So this was about convincing internal stakeholders that e-commerce is a thing people will buy clothes online. And mm -hmm. external stakeholders, obviously the customers as well, that yes, you will get your clothes if you give us your money today. And as we know, nowadays things have changed drastically, radically, so that online shopping, I mean, especially right now in these times we live in, is really the thing that's 
pretty much the only option. So mm -hmm. then after e-commerce or changing fields from retail into high tech, which was absolutely fascinating. And again, from a design perspective, how can we tell a story of who the company is, what they do and why they're doing it, pulling everyone together? There was a little bit more brand. And um, then in my mm -hmm. last adventure right now, UX, UI, more product specific. Yeah, I think the company you were refer referring to where, where Autodesk, I think we worked for um, quite a while. How, how long, how many years did you work yes. at Autodesk? Yeah, at Autodesk I was for six and a half years. Mm -hmm. And three six weeks and old. Six and a half years. Yeah, it's three-dimensional software. So that was third dimension again. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's design, as a, so. um, a software that, yeah, many designers then use. So you design yes. the software. Exactly. So a lot of industrial designers, M&E as well, media and entertainment. So it's pretty much anything that's yeah. made in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think what's I think always inspiring when I look at Autodesk or I think very impressive is that, you know, they have so many different products. Right? Yes. And uh, they have <laughs> legacy products and then they have building starting new ones, constantly new innovations when it comes to software and data and like collaboration yes. tools. So I guess that was also quite a bit of a challenge, I guess, to, you know, to align, I think, that because, you know, it's, it's a big portfolio. You're completely right. Exactly. And you're right. There are a lot of acquisitions, legacy products. So for us, dealing with a portfolio of about 180 products and wow. again saying, OK, who are we? Where are we going and why? So that was more part of the, the brand strategy, which is also part of design. Right. And when I started, Autodesk really started to going through that huge business transformation. So the products went to the cloud. Instead mm -hmm. of selling a box once, we changed to a subscription model, which meant that each month we had to earn the respect and the trust from the customers because it's very different from selling a box once and then customers see you later to every month. Yeah. We wanted to get, you know, to, again, their, their trust and respect that they would pay us, that they would, would keep using the product. And so you also get a lot more feedback. And then thirdly, the customer base changed as well because we bought so many other companies Companies, we really expanded. So that was the time as well then when a designer should look at, okay, what's happening at the highest level and how can we convey that to customers and to prospects to say that this is Autodesk now, this is where we're going. Yes, most of us know us for one product, which I also mm -hmm. used ages ago, but it's much broader than that, right? So creating that story and making sure that starting with the internal people, the employees, 9,000 of them, and getting them on board and then um, talking to the outside audience as well. Yeah, so that was mm -hmm. an exciting design for space. Yeah, for sure. Very dynamic. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think you were mentioning also the acquisition, I think, which is something very specific, I think, also about that space. How do you deal with, with when it comes to acquisition? I think you were also mentioning the importance of brand, connection between brand and design. How do you deal with this acquisition when it then came to, you know, are they using the same design system mm -hmm. or how, do, how, do, how much do we have to align the UI? I guess it also depends in terms of how independent the software wants to be recognized afterwards. And I think that's also an interesting discussion. Completely it is. And so, for example, at SAP, I was in this newly created role, the 
VP for product design for CX or the C for HANA suite. And the suite consists of five clouds. So the marketing, sales, service, commerce, and data clouds. Four of those are acquisitions. And obviously the tech stacks are different. The UI is different. The cultures are different. So bringing that together is really a tall task. At Autodesk, we did the same as well. We were also talking about suites for architecture, engineering, construction, for manufacturing, and for media and entertainment. So once you start talking about a suite, then you become this branded house, right? Because a suite, things should be interoperable. It should be seamless. Even the notion of single sign-on, right? It's better to have single sign-on than you have to sign on for every product that you're using for every functionality becomes very complicated. But at the highest level, it really is a business decision. So for example, when you acquire a company for mergers and acquisitions, there are certain terms and conditions that are set out that the incoming company, for example, in some cases, they'll say, okay, yes, you can remain independent for one to two years. And then we'll see how we fold you in, right? So you kind of do the dance. Yes, we've bought you, but stay independent for a little bit. And then we'll see how we integrate you. In other cases, it means, okay, we're going to acquire you and use your technology immediately. So that's why it's always good for a designer to ask those business questions and understand what's being done and what we can do. Because from a design perspective, we might say, well, we bought this company, we want to use their functionality right away. For example, in SAP's case with Qualtrics, it's not that easy, right? Because it was also, it's a huge acquisition and there's so many aspects one needs to consider. And yeah, so for Autodesk, for us, we were a little bit, we had mostly integrated everything. So then it was really time. Okay, now how do we tell the story? How do we build a design system that can also iterate towards this seamless interoperable state? Because as we know in design, nothing is ever done. Right? It always continues yeah, nothing and evident. evolves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, this is think, super interesting what you're mentioning. And I think something I saw also a couple of uh, when I was following up, I can't remember names here specifically but where an acquisition was bought and obviously they want to integrate it into the CI of all these different softwares but they almost designed like a step in between <laughs> that's almost did the step but just halfway and then like later on there was another step basically there was like the full basically experience integration is that something you also maybe maybe it's something that you remember from from your side or like a pattern you saw when it comes to integrating certain softwares or UX UI systems that you know something you go directly make a, a cut but if you can probably and uh, basically already go to the full integration and maybe sometimes maybe it's maybe it's regarding the design system and maybe the technical limitations you set off you you do a slower transformation right but you already know where you want to end up yeah so ideally i mean again you know going back to business decisions for example when i worked at gap I mean, they specifically said Banana Republic is different from Old Navy, is different from Gap. And they even, when I was there, they said, oh, maybe it's better if the Banana Republic public customers don't know we're associated with Old Navy. So they really wanted to keep that separate. So then again, from that perspective, okay, how do you integrate it? I will say with software, with Autodesk as well, specifically because we went through this business transformation to sell in the cloud and to go to this monthly subscription model, we almost, or we we talked about, could there be a future state where you just subscribe to autodesk.com and you get all the functionality that you need versus 
okay, today I need Maya and then I need Max and maybe I need a little bit of Fusion, right? So the product names that lead that. But in terms of integration, yes, you, you know, you're right. We want to push it along as fast as we can. Sometimes you just can't do that. And of course, it's, you know, so so even when we can't get to our 100% right away, at least let's keep the eye on that vision of what it should be and make sure that mm-hmm. that vision is aligned with the business leaders and that we can work towards it. Because again, you know, there's so many aspects involved that we think, yeah, you know, doing corporate identity, then we're done. But will never be done because, yeah, you know, integrating technology and then even internal from the employee experience, right? Maybe the culture was very different at the other place, how they're being integrated, you know, many aspects to consider. It's always exciting times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it was interesting what you said about the brand position, right? I mean, that Mm -hmm. always something that's also interesting. Maybe the brand you know, wants to stay independent or has certain specific customer. Yes. I guess that's also a demographic I think you always have to look at. So that's interesting parameter, I guess. Yeah, I think we think we can talk more about enterprises in a little bit. I think it would be great to talk maybe a little bit about uh, what you excites, maybe what excited you at uh, your time at SAP on being a designer, mm-hmm. generally speaking, in uh, these days. I think this would be interesting to, to also yes. hear. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay. So SAP is an amazing opportunity in terms of enterprise resource planning. I mean, ERP systems are huge. So if SAP runs 80% of the world economy, for you as a designer, what can you do? You know, Anything you do, you're going to affect millions of people. I will also say that ERP, because it is so huge, it's so well established, it's a little bit, it takes longer. Right. Because, I mean, you have to be politically savvy. You have to work within that design system until your stuff shows up. It's not as, you know, if you go to a startup and you can build it and create and shape it from the beginning, that's very different than working for this big corporation. At SAP, for me, what has been exciting is they're building a CRM product and the complexity of the issue, right? The design opportunity is vast because they've never had a suite, like I said, four acquisitions and one company from SAP pulling all of that together. I mean, I like complex problems as a designer. So that has been amazing. You know, for example, from a design perspective, building a suite, we want to harmonize the user experience, the UI. So where do we start? What do we do? Maybe we iterate. Of course, we want to do everything right away, but it's not possible. So how do we do this step-by-step process to signal to the customers and end users that, yes, indeed, something is coming. And once we have step one completed, then how do we do step two and step three? You know, what do we know is important from a user's perspective that once we have the first thing made, then then we go two to three. And we know from the user's perspective, but then what's also important, obviously, is from the business perspective. So do those two align and then we go and iterate ourselves to a more harmonized user experience. So that's been exciting. And then in terms of being a designer today, you asked about that. Oh, God. I mean, you know, for all of us having to work in the home office, I think there's a huge opportunity of what can we do to work virtually better? Now, most of us are visual. Most of us like to draw. So I'm sitting here moving my hands right now, right? Because I can't draw. And for us, pictures are so important. So could we now develop 
better working software than the Skypes, the Zooms of the world, where we could sketch together, right? And I know we have Mural, we have Miro, we have some tools already, but none of it is really fantastic. And so again, what can we learn from this time? Because as designers, we always love to learn. And how could we improve an experience that in the future, probably most of us will work more virtually. Also, the, the pure nature, for example, Sebastian is in Germany. I'm in San Francisco right now. Mm. So distributed teams, that is normal. So for ERP, for SAP, you know, we'd have calls early in the morning with Europe, late at night with Asia. So I think that's also part of the world. So again, how could we create better tools for us designers or teamwork to make that a better experience? I think that's a huge opportunity. So if anyone wants to work with me on that, send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Definitely agree. I think uh, it's going to be interesting how this is going to change, I think, the workforce moving forward. I think sometimes we don't, you know, you don't ex you know, recognize the change in the moment, but then if you look back, that could, you know, really have a big impact, I think, also on, you know, how maybe acceptable remote work is and specifically looking at design, how we do our work. Yeah, I think that's, that's very interesting. Maybe want to go a little bit back to maybe some of your um, experiences. I think, I think you were mentioning something interesting about like, you know, the process of taking, uh, you know, a different software internally and, you know, stretching the the vision how did you balance the the aspect of a vision and that that work about like a unified experience for example especially if you have so many different verticals versus the hands-on work i mean very often sometimes they're just different departments right but um, i guess this is also quite a bit of a, a balance act and considering that you had quite a bit of responsibility i was i was thinking how did you balance these two two aspects because both needs to be done right yeah Good question. At Autodesk as well, I was closely aligned with corporate strategy because again, you know, where's the corporation going? What do we want to do and why? And we should ask the same questions in the land of design because our design strategy clearly needs to link up to the corporate strategy, to the business strategy, because if it doesn't, the, the product, there is no reason to really build it, right? So we need to be aligned on that angle. And I think a vision, we always need to have a strong vision. So the vision should do not change. It's almost a vision is something that you can barely attain because it's so far out, but it really is that this is where we're going and we're going to sometimes fumble our way to it. Sometimes we move more quickly, but that we really need. Now, in terms of design as execution along this vision, then we get more into mission as well. And even, you know, certain goals that you need to set in big corporations, the, those quantitative aspects. But I think you know, you're going to do stuff, you're going to iterate, you're going to learn, and then something else emerges. And even within um, strategy setting, there's also a school of emerging strategy, right? Because you never have all the answers right away. So even though you say, okay, this is our mission, and then uh, this is our vision and the mission, our strategy, how to get there will also evolve and emerge along the way. So similarly in design, that is just part of the way, but we cannot lose sight of what we're actually building. Once you don't have a strong vision, then it becomes really complicated because then you could say, okay, today we're building A, oh, and then we've got something completely different. Now we're building C, oh, and we're building XYZ. That makes for a very confusing experience for everyone working on it and eventually then for the customer as well, because they don't know 
what they're dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think this is this is very interesting. I guess that that also helps. I think you know if you have an acquisition or have like new people uh, rolling in, I guess like to align, to have that vision. I agree. Also, I think um, the direction. I guess you have to update the vision sometimes, but like the a clear direction. I think it should be always there, and it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it doesn't change so often, but I guess like it always goes with the dynamics of the the, the yeah. market, etc. And maybe when you have a new learning, it has to radically change. Why not? Right. So, but um, not yeah. because strategies or the vision changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is this is super interesting. I think something specific about enterprise projects, since you work quite a bit on on enterprise projects. I mean, even though. There's always a customer, but it's very often also B2B because these softwares get acquired at a, at a large uh-huh. scale, right? Or get yeah. customized heavily. Maybe not so much at Autodesk, but uh, to a certain degree uh-huh. at SAP. And I guess with, with this kind of framework, I think it's interesting about, I was wondering about how much do you need to learn about the different scenarios where this software is then in place. Uh-huh. So, you know, this could be, for example, at Autodesk, you know, if you, I mean, Considering that there were over 100 softwares, I'm sure like she, she can't understand, you can't learn about like each sort of end user in detail, especially as a, in the direction, uh, in the role of a director. But I guess, especially looking at SAP, like how much is that research or getting to know how the software is being customized later on or used in a certain market part of the work? Yeah. Good question. Oh God, it needs to be so much more. So I mean, for us, you have you made a good point about you know customers. How do they customize? How do they use it? Can we observe the end user what they're doing with it? What do we learn along the way? And I have to say, I had wished for more customer contact to really learn that because I also think usability, user research is super important for what we're doing because we do look at it differently. If you don't have a solid UX research department, ask salespeople, even ask salespeople if you can come along. So we also, I would do that as well. Or when my boss would go see a customer said, hey, can I come along? Or even to the point, okay, here are three questions. Please ask the people this, right? Because we need to get that knowledge. And Autodesk, we did do more research directly with customers. We also had huge customer events, which is for designers always good. Go out there, talk to people. Don't stay amongst yourselves. So I would always tell my team, get out of your seat, talk to other divisions, learn from them. And then especially at customer events, either uh, we set up research labs there, wherever you can talk to different people and learn what you can along the way. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, looking back at all your experiences and a little bit the value of design, especially these days do you have any specific products in your mind where really you were really recognizing the impact you can drive as a designer and maybe some of the experiences you had <laughs> yes <laughs> so i have to say so the um, you know design drives business what's the real value that we bring and i would summarize it but we really bring those the the unmet needs the desires the, the ones from the customers right because we look at how the customers interact with those products. We look at that very differently than, let's say, an engineer, even a product owner, a marketer. Yes, we do need all of those, so we need to collaborate, but we have our own special eye on how people deal with the product. So I would say for SAP, it's been really wonderful when we 
built started building the suite when we looked at it at the minimum viable scope or minimum viable product what we could implement when we also said okay what's important what are we going to do and then you know it's lovely because a lot of us are visual the before and after so for example for us top nav I don't know, you know, we had gazillions of variations and it just made your retina hurt because you could say, oh God, you know, poor customers and they don't even know where stuff is. And then getting that out there where it was even, you know, it was the start of a change and finally top nav looks together and people can find their icons. And somehow, again, this is that signal to send, yes, we're coming together. So that has been really great. And then again, for design to pull together to say, okay, now we have the top nav, but you know what, left nav, can we also do something to not confuse people? Because we know it is confusing. The cognitive load is hard when you have to learn a whole new system every time you go from one product to another, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So That's what we also looked at at Autodesk as well, where I was doing more of the brand strategy, but also working with product and at some stage leading a UI UX product. It was how does one influence the other as well, that when you do UI UX, it's also a huge question for designers that everyone should be able to answer is what we do for our design how does that differentiate us from other companies or from other products right because right now there's a lot you know the dashboards all start to look a little bit the same and so again make sure that you know what differentiates you your company from other companies and how we express this in product so is it in the interactions you know is it in I don't know, color scheme, is it typography? What are its illustrations, even though it's starting to look a little bit the same. So again, you know, what, what can we use in our toolbox to differentiate that experience from a competitors? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's also yeah, something I think that we always would consider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super interesting. I was wondering maybe about your experience when it comes to communicating, you know, the value to design maybe to other departments, to other stakeholders. How did you approach this? Or what was your, basically, how would you frame the role of design and the role design can bring to the, the discourse? Uh, yes, good. So the role of design, how it can bring the value to the business and how to communicate. Yes, especially yes. maybe looking at maybe your experience when it comes to collaborating with other departments or other stakeholders, that could be interesting. Yes. So as we know, Actually, there is a, a great set of articles and studies that just came out by McKinsey. Are you asking enough of your design leader? I think is one of the titles, but their position was as well. So CEOs, they're starting to hire chief design officers. And apparently 90% of those CEOs cannot say what their chief design officer does, which is interesting, but at least 10% know it. <laughs> but, but what this also means, and, and one of the arguments is that perhaps design or chief design officer is such a new field that CEOs don't quite know how to talk about it, as happened with marketing and CMOs 20 years ago. So marketing has been or is by now an established field again 20 years ago maybe not so much so maybe this is a, a similar thing we're going through with design right now but to show the value i think for us within a corporate setting is making sure we ask questions from those other divisions we making sure that we have that curiosity about 
how do others approach it when a product owner comes to us and says these are the product requirements going back and asking why right it's it's not just people are dropping stuff off to us we execute but we become these thought partners these strategic partners with them with product owners even the business owners right to say okay what are we building and why and please design us not just features and functionality right but how does everything hang together what is that bigger picture and when we come in with those questions and say we have that understanding over time what happened at autodesk as well that people came to the design team and they started hey asking questions of hey can you help me i'm trying to do a campaign or i'm trying to design a product and i've thought about this but could you help me and expand my thinking as well right so that they come to us as well and when you do that enough when you're out there when you're asking questions when you talk to people then over time they can also say okay yeah the designers they're really they can think broadly they understand what i am doing and then also for us obviously to educate exactly what it is that we're doing and uh, you know it goes beyond lipstick on a pig and how deep it goes and that we show the value that we do case studies that we explain it that we have the patience and within certain divisions for let's just say I'll just pick one. Nothing against engineers. Love them. But maybe, you know, there's an engineer who's really interested in what you're doing. And then so build that relationship. And then you'll see over time, all of a sudden, the other engineers will be curious about it. And the, the one engineer will also bring that message out there. So building that network is really important. And yeah, show what you've done. Case studies, communication, super important. Mm -hmm. From your experience being in the field of interaction design and product design, where do you see it, you know, going, you know, specifically looking at maybe some of the capabilities you try to build up or became more and more important when it comes to, you know, setting teams up and uh, the, dis the discipline itself? Mm -hmm. Also to talk about interaction design? Yeah, and how to set up teams for that? Yeah, I think. Uh, but then also, I think what's interesting because you know, the discipline is constantly evolving. So I'm wondering exactly. a little bit about you know what were topics you know coming up. I, I was wondering if topics, for example, like voice design, is that yes. a topic in enterprise products um, already, or yes. maybe not yet? You know, no, totally, completely conversational UI. I mean, not you're completely right, Sebastian. You just said it. The, the field is constantly evolving. So my friend and I, we did a talk on the future of design and the design of the future, right? So, and we mm -hmm. also said, I mean, design <laughs> as a field, it's so broad. And it, you know, you say interaction design, car design, furniture design, even nail design, right? So what is design even? So it's the kind of the, this fuzzy topic and I'm not going to diverge too much right now. But for interaction design or for any design team, make sure that people understand what design means to them, to us, how it adds value. And I think interaction design, yes, it has some in the craft. It has some specific, you know, craft aspects that we need to learn. You need to know how UI interacts with UX, how UX becomes CX, a PX. Sorry, so many X. It's always about the experience, right? So what yeah. goes into building a customer experience from the product experience, from the user experience, how do those all link together? And and as a well-trained designer, you will also have that flexibility of mind that you can also jump and bring separate fields together. So I think in interaction design as well, it's not just limited sitting there and moving boxes around but what 
happens before, what happens after. It does the user, what else is the user exposed to? How, what do they need to do? You know, what, what, how could we find other ways within the medium that we're working on right now? And yes, technology is moving fast. There is voice UI, there's conversational UI, all the bots are coming. There is AI, you know, for us, can we understand what AI really means that in this land of algorithms? And more importantly, even our own ethics, what, how far are we willing to let it go where we know, oh, maybe this is a dark pattern. I think as a designer, eventually you're going to have to say no, right? But those are all the questions that we also have to deal with and expose our customers to. So stay curious, AI, even VR, AR, how will this help? Again, what we're trying to do and read a lot. Yeah, as you were touching on something interesting also there, I think um, dark UX pattern and ethics, we could have another full podcast yeah, episode just <laughs> just uh, on that. You know, I think that's such an interesting you know topic. I think when it ties together, I think with the role of design, I think you were mentioning you know, chief design officer, etc. So, you know, we get more and more into the role also to introduce these topics of ethics when it comes to the human experience with technology, uh, looking at outcomes, not just outputs and the long term consequences for the emotions of, of, of users. And sometimes we can't really foresee the consequences of our design. And we haven't really learned the craft and the tools so far really yet to, I think, to really articulate, I think, some of these things and bring them to the table. I think something we just getting our feet in as a design community. So yeah, I think this is super interesting. So uh, but maybe to, to to wrap it up, I was wondering about specifically looking that, that you had some roles as a role of a design director or design leader. And then also, you know, in the early days, I mean, you were also a designer in the team. Mm -hmm. So you have the two perspectives and maybe a little bit about the difference of a great designer. And then, you know, I think sometimes it's a little bit misunderstood, but, you know, being a great design leader is maybe something completely different and to some degree, maybe not also. So I'm wondering a little bit about your perspective, the difference between a great design leader and a great designer. <laughs> good question. Okay, good. Yeah, I was thinking about that a, a little bit as well of a, a design career that spans and, you know, how do you go from a designer who's mostly individual contributor in the early stage of the career to becoming a design leader, leading a whole function, maybe even leading more functions, divisions. And mm -hmm. I would say so early when you get out of school, you know a lot of things. And I think once you start out, it's, it's more around the how am I doing it, right? You want to refine your craft. You want to make sure that you know everything that you do and you want to make sure you do a good job. And then as you go along in the career, I think it's maybe answering the question more of what am I doing and, and what am I working on? So maybe you start working and, and saying, oh, I don't know if I want to work for a cigarette company or I don't know if I want to work for an oil company, right? So that's when you, maybe you know it earlier already, but that's when you form more of your, okay, my own constraints go from here to there. And then as you progress in the career, it's really asking why, why are we doing what we're doing? How does that fit into the bigger context? And so that's how I would summarize the design career and then going from an individual contributor designer to becoming a design leader 
I would say leader for any division, design included. Hopefully as a design leader, it helps if you had a design background to understand where design came from, because our history will also inform our future. And just again, the craft that you can mentor people a good leader is really there for the people, making sure that they give you the runway for the design team, that they can do what they need to do, that they have the trust that you have their back. Because you as a leader, you will not be able to be in every meeting that where all your designers are. So that's super important to be there for the team. Obviously, you also need to set that vision, right, of, okay, people, this is where we're going. Here we are. How we get there, you know, use your own devices, resources, how we can make the way there. Because it's you don't want to prescribe, prescribe that too much. Which then also goes, lastly, as a leader giving people the opportunity to experiment because as a leader, you don't have all the answers. You shouldn't, right? So building that openness within a team and then really working with the design team and obviously integrating them with the other teams because we just, we don't work along with those synthesists where we really bring everything together to create that wonderful experience. So that's mm -hmm. the short trajectory of when you get out of school into <laughs> if you want to become a design <laughs> leader. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Long way. Long way. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I, I totally um, agree to the, the points. Unfortunately, t um, time is running up mm -hmm. and went very fast. So, <laughs> yeah. so I want to thank you so much for your, for your time and I hope this brought uh, value to the, the design of community. Course. Thank you for, so much. Yeah. Thank you, Sebastian and everyone. Okay, bye. That was the episode. If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, have something to contribute to the next episode, or just want to get in touch, feel free to connect with us either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you.